a great one. Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning and uh, welcome to the mess that we know as the commute to work this morning. Mm -hmm. Are you going to go to the big crappy day parade this afternoon? Uh, no, because I don't think my car will make it in this weather. Yeah, they might cancel it anyway because of the bad weather, even though that's what it celebrates. For those of you who are in Canyon County and you're looking outside this morning, and this was, I mean, an hour and a half ago, Canyon County was pretty dry, weren't getting anything, but as soon as you pass, cross the Canada line mm-hmm. closer to Boise, the worse the weather got, the worse the roads got, and even... With the connector getting off the connector off to uh, Fairview, Fairview, headed into downtown Boise, then all of a sudden, roadways were snow covered and very, very storms slick. Been, storms been moving west to east since it started yesterday. So just be aware that it's going to take uh, some time to get to work. Already an accident uh, just near the connector this morning that they were working on when I came through. We'll keep you updated on uh, how traffic is looking throughout the morning. At one thirty at my house yesterday, it was 50 degrees. At 6.30 at my house, five hours later, it was 20 degrees. Probably uh, had a, noticed the big amount of wind that blew through, too, about oh, the same did, time, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, the snow was kind of falling sideways there for a while. Yeah. Um, so just allow yourself a lot of extra time. Like I said, we'll keep you updated, but um, it's looking like it's going to get worse before it gets better this morning. Our temperature right now is 26 degrees. So uh, like I said, it's it's hitting the roadways Staying there, like downtown Boise, uh, here at the state at the station, we've got one to two inches of snow here. Nothing new in mm-hmm. Canyon County. I drive in from Nampa every morning, and there was nothing new. So I thought the commute was going to be perfectly fine until, like I said, it hit the uh, <laughs> Canada line this morning, and then all of a sudden, it's like, what the heck? To be fair, some of it was perfectly fine. Yeah, just not yeah, all of it. Just not all of it. So um, I guess the good news is we might have you for a few extra minutes for those of you who listen mm-hmm. today. Valentine's Day. So what are you guys ignoring tonight? I mean, uh, do you have any big plans of what not to do? Uh, yeah, and, and nothing. <laughs> I know you, you don't celebrate after your big disaster. No, no we, we do not celebrate. We don't mention it. Like, I, I, I have plans on making dinner tonight, but it's not because... Of Valentine's it's Day. It's Valentine's Day. It's, it's just because you get hungry because, in the, in the yeah, evening. Yeah, yeah and I do, right. I do most of the cooking in the house, so... Do you? Yeah, so... Probably good, like ninety percent. Oh, terrific! Uh, granted, I, I I don't half that time. It's for myself. Mm. <laughs> Tracy travels so much uh, these days that, uh, but even when she's home, if I make anything, it's purchased ready to eat for the most part. Isn't, you, you you notice that that's a lot easier, don't you? I do. Yeah. yeah. Some of the things we'll be talking about today, uh, of course, you've heard that the uh, shooting at Michigan State University overnight. The uh, person who Responsible for the shooting, apparently dead from a self-inflicted wound. Mm-hmm. We could just Police. get these people to do that first and then, yeah, well, then we go. do the rest of it. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. If wishes were fishes. So we'll keep you updated on that. That's kind of a breaking story from overnight last night. Uh, more news coming out on the suspected balloons and non-balloons and whatever the heck they may be. Um as we get more information coming in from the balloon shot down over Alaska, looks like the de- uh, the debris from the shoot down landed mm-hmm. on ice, so it's not something that they're going to have to dig out of the ocean. Somebody sent me a story, and it's a good story. 
true, too, that uh, during World War II, Japan uh, sent 9,000 balloons. Uh, I heard that. Up into the air to, to head over North America. Yeah. And only about 1,000 of them made it to the mainland. But each one had an explosive attached to it. And there was, uh, they only managed to kill a total of three people. It was a mother and two kids that were picnicking in Oregon. Uh, they saw this balloon land, and they went over to see what it was, and the thing exploded while they were standing there. And so they were the only uh, American civilians killed on American, well, on what was then already American states, mm. in American soil. It happened in Oregon. But um, as recently as just a few years ago, somebody found debris from one of the balloons uh, in the forest in British Columbia. So there may be still a few out there. From one of the Japanese? Yeah, and from it, it, and it was you know 80 years old, but... The uh, bomb squad had to come in and well, yeah, and uh, you, that that particular bomb might not be too stable now. Eighty years later, eighty years right? later, yeah, you, you never know. <laughs> um, also, uh, another item that we'll be talking about this morning: a uh, new bill has uh, been introduced in the Idaho legislature. By the way, yesterday a uh, very busy day because if you want to introduce new bills, yesterday was kind of the unofficial deadline. If you want to have them heard and be able to get a hearing By before the end of the March. End of March. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yesterday, a, a slew of new bills were introduced, but one of them that might be of interest is one that we have talked about before. Uh, that has to do with a bill that would ban obscene or pornographic materials in schools. So another bill was introduced again after last year, House Bill 666. Good number. Um you know, <laughs> was introduced and not when I was a kid. Passed. When I was a kid, the most obscene place I ever went was school, and it had nothing to do with the library. That's saying that's kind of my point. I, I, we'll talk more about this. The problems I have, the main problem I have is who gets to decide yeah, what exactly. is obscene and what is pornographic. Exactly. It's, it's, do we, that's, do we that's have whole, one single person that gets to do it? That's the whole point of uh, people who are against censorship, is that somebody has to decide what should be presented as an idea or a written piece of material and what shouldn't. And whoever gets to decide is, is the one who decides, well, I don't like this idea, so it goes away. And they, they think that's very un-American. I don't know what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. I can't define it, but I, I can't know it when define I see it. it. But I know it if I see it. Yeah, he and said. I, I mean, he said I get it with that. less of an accent because that was a, a Supreme Court justice that said that. And and I get I get that. You know, yes, there are certain things that you don't want in school libraries. And it's been a while since I've been in a school library, but I've had a lot of children in school libraries over the past couple of decades. Mm-hmm. The things that you know, when you first hear this, is like pornographic or obscene material. You start to think about magazines, pictures. That was never in school libraries. No. You know, so it's it's literary stuff, like I said, that, and if we talk more into this, well, when, when uh, you we'll, get right we'll down talk to about it. what they're they're not going to include. What, when, you, when you get right down to a lot of it is, is pretty much anything that mentions homosexuals at all. And, and then on from there, or any other kind of alternative uh, sexuality. And once again, this comes down to who gets to decide. What you f- what you think is pornographic mm-hmm. is not necessarily what I may feel is pornographic for my children. And in this particular case, the legislature answers by saying, "Well, we do." Uh, the other thing we'll talk about, and there actually it's a lack of what we need to talk about, but we'll talk a little bit about it. Caldwell School Board met last night. 
It was expected to uh, come up again about transgender bathrooms and locker rooms, um, but I'll just I'll use this little tease. There was very little drama and no yelling or screaming going yeah. on, and for very good reason was, because of something that will be happening in the Idaho legislature. Standing possibly. room only, outside the room. <laughs> so we'll talk about that and more coming up here this morning. Phone lines are open at 208-336-3700. Alan 670 on your Verizon Wireless. If you want to get through, time for our first check on what's going on with sports this morning. Rick Worthington is here. This update brought to you by our good friends at Pork Belly and Cuna. Great way on a cold, stormy day like this to warm up with a delicious, hot, warm breakfast. Also, some great coffee. They have some great tasting coffee. Flavored coffee, different coffees. If you like it black, they even have it that way. Get into Pork Belly and Cuna today. Good morning. Going to talk a little football today because the Boise State football team will have three new position coaches coming up this season, and they had an opportunity to speak to the media yesterday. Bob Beeler with more on that this morning. Former Bronco Edge rusher Jabril Frazier moves up from graduate assistant to full-time position coach. James Montgomery takes over at running backs as he was at Fresno State last season. And the new defensive line coach is Eric Chenander, whose experience includes stops at Nebraska, UCF, and Oregon. He talked about the first things on his agenda. It's just getting to know the guys a little better, getting familiar with all the, the defense you know that, that we're going to play here, that maybe I knew something similar, using different words, or maybe it's a completely new situation. And then ultimately getting to know those guys, what can they do, what can't they do, how can I put them in the best position to be successful and then get out of their way. Spring football for the Broncos starts on March 2nd. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Some other college football news that's Not necessarily related to Boise State, but at least I wanted to share this with you as to why schools are falling all over themselves to try and get in a bigger conference, specifically the SEC. It's because the SEC says they have distributed an average of $49.9 million to each of their 14 member schools for the fiscal year that ended last August. Commissioner said they divided up 721 plus million of total revenue among their members. That's a whole bunch of money. What does Boise State get from the Mountain West? Not very much. Not compared to that anyway. I'm Rick Worthington. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. Six... 23. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Phone lines are open at 208 336 Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. The uh, sports, I just felt the need to talk a little bit about Rick talking about how much money the SEC handed out to all their schools. $49 million per school. Which, wow. which by the way, he said, how much, you know, how much does Boise State get? Um, nowhere close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll take that one step further. I just looked this up. The entire Mountain West will hand out less television money this year than one school in the SEC got. Wow. Total amount of money uh, for schools in the Mountain West will be around $44 million. So each school will get somewhere close to $4 million. Between, between three and four. Yeah. Uh, Boise State still gets a little more than the others. So Boise State will get about $4 million. The others won't. No. To be fair, I mean, nobody in the Mountain West generates near the money that the SEC team No, has. but this is this is just goes to show you that how more and more as this goes on, 
you'll have the haves and the have-nots just because the have-nots just can't compete because of the massive amount of television money, and that massive amount of money is going to continue uh, to go up. Almost Boise, like, it's almost like real life. Boise State is going to have to deal uh, here with probably a team leaving to the Pac-12. It's San Diego State. widely being rumored that San Diego State and SMU will be joining the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Now, if they do leave, it means Boise State will get more money because as part of the television deal, there is an exit fee that if, pay, huh? if San Diego State leaves and gives one-year notice, they would owe $33 million yeah. to the Mountain West Conference, which, of course, gets made up it's by the Pac-12 because it's so much more money. Certainly one of the conference's biggest markets. Now, if they give two years notice, which you might see happen, just because it saves them uh, $16 million or so, um, they get ha- they only have to pay half of that. For okay. if they give one year notice, so if the Pac-12 decides here before the start of the season, it won't happen this season. The soonest it would happen would be the twenty-four when, twenty-five season. When are UCLA and USC supposed to this leave? year? They're, they're supposed to be gone this year. year. Okay. Yeah, so they're supposed to leave the Big Twelve uh, for, the, for big, the Big Twelve this big year. 12, yeah. yeah, so you know they may be playing without a couple of schools. Will they expand further? Um, don't know. Will the Big Twelve expand further? Is it, uh, the only thing we can say for sure. Expansion is not over. <laughs> yeah, you get that feeling. Change, you? Yeah, change is not over as of uh, yet. But gosh, just just hearing that each school gets forty nine million in the uh, the uh, Mountain West total gets uh, about forty four million. Conferences over time are becoming less and less geographically uh, convenient. Yeah. Now, adding adding San Diego State and SMU is probably smart. Because those are huge markets. You've got the you know the Dallas market for SMU, and you've got the uh, San Diego market, obviously for San Diego State. And of course, they're easy to travel to. You know, San Diego State is uh, SMU is a little out of the geographical area. The Pac-12, though. I mean, if well, you look at yeah, Washington they've, they've, having they've to travel to Texas, that's a long the, the trip. Furthest, the furthest uh, east they've expanded uh, before this is Colorado, yeah. which just happened a few years ago. Yeah. KBY News Time is uh, 626. Once again, our phone lines are open. Don't forget, you can also email us. We always encourage that to be a part of the show. Chris at KBY.com. Mike at KBY.com. You can also text the same as our main number, 208-336-3700. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day to those of you who are celebrating today. Guys, don't forget, today's Valentine's Day. Even if you don't celebrate, your loved one may. 642. Yeah, just be sure you do, uh, you know, exactly the right thing and don't make a single mistake today. That should be no problem. Good luck with that. Uh, And that's why, you know, God invented flowers and candy. So when you do make that mistake, you have more to give after you made the mistake than just the flowers you gave in the first place. Okay. Uh, the stock market futures already saw a 150-point uh, drop here over the last uh, five minutes or so. Consumer price index report is out. And apparently they didn't necessarily, when I say they, stock market, mm-hmm. how is it be? The people that buy and sell stocks didn't necessarily like the numbers. Coming up uh, here in about half an hour, Jeremiah Bates will be with us to tell us what those numbers mean, but the... Uh, Stock market, the Dow especially, was up about 150 points here about uh, 10 minutes ago yesterday. That's on top of the 300 and over 370 points that it was up yesterday wow. uh, ahead of the uh, January CPI. Um, but 
looking like it was pretty much month over month what they were calling for. However, the year over year didn't look quite as good as the estimate was, and we'll find out what exactly those numbers mean when we talk with Jeremiah Bates, as I mentioned, coming up here in half an hour. Uh, We also mentioned yesterday, catchers and pitchers reported to spring training. That means baseball getting closer and closer. The rest of the teams will report uh, later this week. No threat of a strike this year. (laughs) There is um, some new rule changes. I I don't get why the bases are bigger. Can someone explain that to me? No, I don't understand that either. Um, So you no longer have to run 90 feet between the bases because each base is a little bit bigger, so you have a few inches less that you have to. I I guess for people who are stealing, it might make it a little more advantageous for them, but I don't get why. Um, they did that. The shift will not be happening which is, beginning this year. Which is strange. that They haven't really ever uh, enforced any rule as to where you have to stand if you're a defensive player at a particular time. I mean, you know, ideally, the shortstop is between second and third. The second baseman usually is to the right of second. Mm-hmm. Uh, first baseman, you know, just slightly to the left of first. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But with the shift, you know, you could go and play on the other side. The shortstop. Well, you've, would roam you've seen and, where there was nobody between second right. and third base. It Everybody never, was playing between first and second. It never bothered me because, as a batter, take advantage of that. You yeah, know, and hit to the opposite down the field. Line. And, <laughs> but they just won't do that. Now, here's going to be the interesting thing to watch. You're not allowed to move your infielders over. You have to have so many infielders on each side of the base. Now, what it doesn't do is you can move your outfielder to second to in between second and first. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can move your left fielder all the way over. Right. You know, if you have a pull hitter and still have and that a, and that's and completely a fast, legal. And a fast center fielder by the way. Yeah. Uh the other big rule the Major League Baseball uh Joint Competition Committee voted unanimously yesterday to make extra inning rule permanent for all regular season games moving forward so this year and beyond. So if you hated the rule that if well, the extra the innings, on second base. Yeah, if you hated that do, rule where you start rule. on second base, um, too that, bad. I consider that you know a travesty. Yeah, I I don't get if if you're doing it for the season, why don't you do it for the playoffs too? Because the playoffs are completely different. You have a different set of rules for the playoffs. What can we do to really help the fans? I know. Let's make the games shorter. Just that, that way, the people who really love baseball will hate us. Here's an idea: if you're trying to get more fans out. Allow the fans to watch it on TV. If you're getting more fans, younger fans interested you know, in television, allow people like us here in Boise, Idaho, yeah, here's to a, watch the Seattle Mariners and not call them the local team. Here's an idea, and I would go. I would say this for for sports leagues, for uh, uh, TV networks, and everything. If your main goal is to try to please the people who don't currently like you, you're going to fail. It's time for a check on what's going on with sports this morning, brought to you by our good friends at Pork Belly and Cuda, the place to go to uh, get breakfast, lunch, and brunch every day. Check out their menu, porkbellyidaho.com. Good morning. Looking at Boise State men's basketball team and the Mountain West Conference standing, San Diego State still leads the conference. They're 20-5 and overall and 11-2 and in conference games. The Nevada Wolfpack right now are in second place. They're 20 and 6 overall, one game behind San Diego State because they're 10 and 3 in conference. Now, Boise State has actually not played as many conference games as Nevada. Remember, they had a bye last week. So, Boise State is technically in third place, a game and a half behind San Diego State at 9 and 3, but still with a 19 and 6 record. 
The Broncos are getting set to take on the Colorado Rams, Colorado State Rams, that is. That game is being played tomorrow. Tip-off time is at 8 p.m. right here on News Talk KBOI. Meanwhile, there are other games that are being played tonight. Air Force will be at Utah State. San Jose State will play at UNLV. And Wyoming will be at New Mexico. And we'll tell you who wins those games tomorrow morning. I'm Rick Worthington. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. All right, time to start working our damn near impossible questions. Brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty for any and all your real estate needs. There's only one number you need to know, 208-888-4128. We've got a $50 gift certificate uh, this morning to give away to uh, Bob's Restaurant, just off the freeway next to the Shiloh Inn. We've been there numerous times for the hometown breakfast. Chance you get breakfast, lunch, or dinner, if you can answer our question. Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts had a combined age of 51 years, 337 days on Sunday, making them the youngest combined age quarterbacks to ever start a Super Bowl. Our question today is, who are the second youngest Super Bowl quarterback duels to be starters so in the NFL? Whose record did they break? Whose record did they break? By the way, both in the uh, Hall of Fame. Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's time for the KBY Medical Moment, brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho, featuring Dr. Dan Meltzer, Executive Medical Director for Regents Blue Shield. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. Let's start things off uh, today. When we think about ways of taking better care of ourselves, we normally focus on obvious tactics like trying to eat better or more regularly getting out to exercise. But you're here today to talk about an even simpler way for us to boost our physical and mental well-being. So what is it? Yeah, that's right. And, and it might be something we take for granted or frankly don't do enough, which is just having a meaningful conversation with a friend. And that seems way too easy to me. What is this about chatting with a buddy that seems so therapeutic? So there's new research which has validated that both the number of interactions we have as well as the quality of those interactions with friends are associated with being less lonely, being happier, feeling connected. And people who actively pursue and engage in these conversations with friends just have better days and a better ability to manage stress. Okay, so does what we talk about, the type of communication, does that matter? I mean, to a point. So the study authors said that high quality, ideally face-to-face communication is more closely associated with well-being than electronic or social media contact, not surprisingly. But as far as topics or reasons for the conversations are concerned, Benefits come really whether the chat was simply to catch up, share a joke, offer a compliment, um, or just connect so there's more meaningful conversation. So even when we do the right things with diet and exercise and having conversations with our friends, like you say, many of us still have problems getting quality uh, sleep that we need. And often a lot of people turn to prescriptions or over-the-counter medications. Um, Is this the best long-term solution for sleep problems? Well, you know, the reality is many, first of all, sleep is a problem for for so many people, and it's a critical component of health. So there are many prescription medications and popular over-the-sleep counter, over-the-sleep, over-counter sleep aids, if you will, that are designed to be used in the short term, but they're not generally recommended as long-term therapy. In fact, overuse of some can create some dependence and be problematic. But aren't sleep aids pretty harmless? Is that such a bad thing to rely on them? 
Well, I mean, some, certainly like all medications, have side effects. They, particularly some of the over-the-counter ones, they can leave you feeling drowsy or the, during the day, you know, you're not thinking clearly, um, and that can be a problem if you're driving, for example. Um, so it's important also to know that some of these medications can interact with other medications that people might be taking. All right, so wrap this up uh, for us, people like me and other people who are sleep challenged. Uh, what are we left to do? Well, there's a variety of things. I mean, as far as the medications go, sleep medications can be very effective, and they generally have their place in the short run to help kind of get on a better cycle. There are longer-term prescription options for sleep, but those are best discussed with your doctor as they're generally prescriptions, not over-the-counter. Other things like cognitive behavioral therapy to literally train our bodies and our minds to sleep, practicing good sleep hygiene, so getting off our smartphones and tablets an hour before we sleep, trying to have the best uh, fixed bedtime that we have, keeping things like the bedroom dark and cool um, as well can really help. Well, that is the KBY Medical Moment brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. Dr. Meltzer, thanks for joining us this morning here on KBOI. Thank you. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Lansing Mayor Andy Shore says the shootings on campus have been horrific. It's been horrific for all of the students here uh, and around the region. MSU senior Dominic Malutke tells ABC News he was in class when he heard a gunshot in the hallway right outside. Then the gunman, who police now say was not associated with the campus, came into his classroom and opened fire. Um, I'm still beyond shook up. I mean, my legs are still still shaking. Three people in all were killed. Five are hospitalized with critical injuries. And police say the gunman took his own life. They're still searching for a motive. Sherry Preston, ABC News. Police releasing images of the suspect, describing him as a short black male with a mask on. The manhunt coming to an end when authorities located him off campus after midnight, where police say the suspect turned the gun on himself. Just don't get it. Don't understand. He's not a student, not a member of faculty, not a member oh, of staff. I see, I'm glad you don't understand because... It, if if uh, being an active shooter ever becomes like a sensible thing to you, then, you know, that's when you need help. No ties to the university. So why was the university chosen as the place for him to go shoot it up? It's probably where the most people were. That's what I was going to ask. Is it because it's a target-rich environment? Yeah. If no, he could apparently have a chance of shooting the most people? To, to shoot a bunch of people. Probably not going to get any answers because, unfortunately, he did things uh, in reverse of the way you should do them. He shot himself and killed himself last when he should have done that first. And and by saying that, I mean, we don't mean to encourage people to kill themselves, but uh, we do certainly encourage people not to become an active shooter. No, I, I if you're going to be an active shooter, I encourage you to shoot yourself before you shoot anybody else. I okay, I do a, I me personally I do encourage from that. a practical sense I guess I understand that. Not saying you should go out and kill yourself just no. if you're going to be a, a, a mass active shooter in any situation, and yeah. you know you're you're gonna if it comes down to one or the other. Yeah. Although why it would I don't know. It's another mass shooting here in the United States that we'll be talking about that will, I'm sure, hear Biden say we need to get rid of guns. 
Haven't even heard as of yet what the what guns were used. What his weapon of choice was? Yeah, not not that it makes any difference. He still killed people. However, it matters for the rhetoric because obviously if he uses a so-called when you give the definitions of an assault rifle that looks like an AR-15, then people are going to use that as a rhetoric, rhetoric to get rid mm-hmm. of you know any type of guns that look like assault weapons. Once again, this, under my heading and my personal opinion, any gun you use to assault somebody is an assault weapon. It's an assault gun. Anything, so any, any item you use to assault somebody is an assault weapon. Right? Well, you know, semantically, that does make sense. If you hit somebody with a rock, it was an assault It's weapon. an assault rock, yeah. It's an assault weapon. You used it to assault somebody. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If uh, you'd like to weigh in on your thoughts, like I said, not a lot of information coming out as of yet. There will be more information to uh, come out over the coming days, I am sure. Sure, we'll hear from people, his friends and neighbors, who said he was a great person. We never saw this ever coming. He was a quiet man, kept to himself. Let's get another check on what's going on with sports. Once again, this morning, it's brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna, the place to go every day for lunch, breakfast, brunch. Don't forget, uh, you want to follow them along on Facebook because they have specials. For people who follow them on Facebook that you Facebook that you can take advantage of. So follow them on Facebook, check out their menu, parkbellyidaho.com. Good morning. We're looking at Boise State football today. The football team will have three new position coaches for this upcoming season, and those coaches were rolled out in front of the media yesterday to meet for the first time. Here's Bob Beeler with more. Former Bronco Jabril Frazier takes over at Edge Rush. Eric Chenander joins the staff from Nebraska as defensive line coach, and James Montgomery is the new running backs coach. He comes from Fresno State and explains why the move within the conference. Growing up on the West Coast, this uh, this bleed blue brand is is kind of national and and a, a flagship program of the West Coast. So that was really intriguing to me. Montgomery is from Sacramento, played running back at Cal and Washington State, and has coached at Weber State, Sac State, and Cal Poly before going to Fresno State. He'll also be the recruiting coordinator for the Broncos. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Some other college football news today. Oklahoma and Texas have agreed in principle to pay the Big 12 a total of $100 million to join the SEC in the 2024 season. That's a year earlier than they had originally intended, uh, they made that announcement at the end of last week. Now, why would they do that? Well, in part because of how much money the SEC is paying out its member schools. There was a story that just went out the other day that said that the Southeastern Conference is distributing an average of 49 plus, that's $49.9 million to be exact, to each of their 14 member schools for the fiscal year that ended last August. So, yeah, they had to pay about $50 million each to leave the Big 12, but they'll make that up in one season playing in the SEC. I'm Rick Worthington. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. 
724, Jeremiah Bates with us once again this morning to talk about your money and the stock market futures. It is only the futures. Uh, we saw what happened yesterday, futures based on actuality being up over 380 points on the Dow. However, uh, consumer price uh, index numbers came out oh, about 35, 40 minutes ago, and we've seen a 250-point drop in Dow futures. So apparently somebody somewhere did not like the CPI this morning. Yeah, no, I mean, we saw a, a solid day of performance yesterday, like you mentioned. Coming to this morning, it really all eyes were set on this inflation data, which tends to be the point of focus month over month. And that's been the narrative basically all of 2022 and going into 2023. What's it, is inflation going to continue to trend down? And how is the Federal Reserve going to respond? So highly anticipated for the month of January. And there's some good news and bad news. So I like my, uh, my, my dessert before my vegetables. So we'll go with the good news. Um, on an annual, uh, on a, on an annual basis, meaning the month last year, comparing those inflation numbers, it is down. It, it, it is showing a move down from the peak. Also, we saw a peak of inflation of 9.1% in June. We saw a rate of 6.4% in January. So it's going lower when you stretch it out over these longer time frames, over these longer time periods. But where the issue is, is we're looking over the month over month. Because if you look at since October, essentially, we've seen significant declines in inflation month over month over month. So when you're complaint, comparing December's inflation to, in Jan- to January's inflation, we saw an increase at a rate of 0.5%, which came in higher than estimates. Not by much, but again, higher. So then, of course, the attention goes to the Federal Reserve, staying on aggressive rate hiking path, the likelihood of them doing another quarter of percent. I mean, book it. Now you can call it. Now the turn is going to be, do they continue to do more? And if you're looking at these sticky categories of inflation, I mean, it's food. I mean, you have groceries that are still up more than 11% over this time last year. You have the price of eating out still up. And we touched on this earlier in the week, too. You have the price of gas increasing. You have the price of electricity, price of natural gas. I mean, airfare is still 25% higher than where it was a year ago. So we still... We still have these sticky categories of inflation that are representing a large category of these numbers that are still staying sticky and they're still affecting uh, the U.S. consumer. Now, there's some beneficiaries on this because if you look at Coca-Cola who put out their, their quarter four revenue or their, their quarter four earnings, they beat expectations. Shares are up almost 2% in pre-market because they did what? They charged higher prices, which again, we're in this circle where for the consumer, higher prices aren't great. For the companies that have some pricing power like a Coca-Cola, this is reflecting in their balance sheets. And it hopefully if you're invested in Coca-Cola, the offset is uh, helpful to the overall broader decline that we're seeing in the markets. All right, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, as of right now, a lot looking good for the opening here in just a few minutes. We'll get an update from you in an hour and talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, gents. Get 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Simple and striking. Pure and eternal. Refined and luxurious. It makes a statement like nothing else. Celebrate your special love and show it to all the world with the gift of eggs. Whatever the occasion, dazzle her with eggs. (laughs) 
might be cheaper than buying a dozen roses, but not by much uh, because of uh, they're, they're eggs up bit, over 100% over the last couple of months. Much better for breakfast than roses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, eggs works uh, for Valentine's Day. So remember, guys, today is Valentine's Day. Whether you celebrate or not, your significant other may. So keep that in mind. Emails uh, coming in uh, this morning talking about the um, shooting Michigan State University Five uh, people shot the shooter, also took it, took his own life. Not a lot of details coming out as of yet. No school for the next, at least the next two days at Michigan State University. Concerned citizen writes in, why do people think we can push a magic button and all guns will simply go away, including the ones in the hands of bad people? This way of thinking is just as disturbing as the shooter's deranged way of thinking will not solve a thing. It's up to us, folks. We are the front line against this sort of thing. It starts at home. Somebody knew this shooter. It's up to them to report any questionable activity and have the report investigated. Second thing is keep an eye open and keep an eye and ear open for things like this that could happen. Ron from Meridian wrote in to say, ah, gentlemen, a target rich environment and a gun free area. Uh, Daniel writes in, as a veteran, this is from New Meadows, as a veteran of 20 years in the U.S. Army Infantry, my honest opinion of these school and public shootings is simple because the shooters are not scared to be shot. Gun-free zones are the perfect target for people like this. Train the staff to proficiently use firearms to fight fire with fire. Hire some veterans who are willing to protect people, and they already have the training and experience to stop the shooters as soon as possible. The AR and AR-15 means Armalite Rifle Model 15. Lastly, I'm actively listening for someone to give me three examples of anything the Democrats have done to benefit me as a working-class Republican in West Central Idaho. Keep listening. Maybe somebody will call in with uh, three things that help you out in the New Meadows area. Don't hold your breath, though. Let's see Another another text message kind of weighing in on this same thing says it was a soft target gun-free zone. It's the same reason most of them select schools, biggest impact before they can take themselves out or commit suicide by cop. Yeah. Billy uh, wrote in, Billy B wrote in and says, we as individuals have control over our own destiny. If we want to turn this inflation situation around, it seems pretty simple to me. Just quit buying new stuff. There isn't anything anywhere that we actually need to purchase new that we can't find used except food and fuel seems pretty obvious to me. Happy Valentine's. That's Billy B. The one thing, though, as you as you mentioned that, that we talked about with Jeremiah Bates here just a little bit ago, the biggest reasons we're seeing consumer price index go up is because of food and fuel, energy, mm-hmm. uh, electricity, stuff, the things that you, that we, you mentioned you can't buy brand, uh, used. Yeah, there we go. So, you know, those, those are, I, I always like it when they say, if you take out food and uh, energy, then uh, it looks pretty so good. Yeah, yeah exactly. it, except we all have if to you, have those if you, if you take out necessities, life is <laughs> so much more easy. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless if you want to weigh in. I need a break for one more look at sports this morning with Rick Worthington, brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA. Get in for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're open seven days a week. Already open, been open for 45 minutes. Great place to start your day. They are open 7 till 2, Monday through Sunday. Good morning. If you're looking for some good men's basketball to watch on TV tonight, the Mountain West does have several games that will be on this evening. It'll be Air Force at Utah State. 
San Jose State will play at UNLV, and Wyoming will play at New Mexico. Of those games, the only one that's televised, though, will be the Wyoming-New Mexico game, and that'll air on CBS Sports Net tonight at 8 p.m. Tomorrow night, Boise State will be at Colorado State. That's an 8 p.m. tip-off time. Uh, FS1 will broadcast that game on television, and of course, we'll have it here for you on News Talk KBOI as well. 7.30 is your pregame, 8 p.m. tip-off time. The other game tomorrow night is San Diego State. They play at Fresno State at 8 p.m. Meanwhile, San Diego State continues to lead the conference, uh, at least record-wise. They are one game ahead of Nevada. Uh, they are also a game and a half ahead of Boise State. Why are they a game and a half ahead? because the Broncos had their bye last week. They did not play during the week, so they're technically a half game behind Nevada for second place and a game and a half behind San Diego State. I'm Rick Worthington. Ben Shapiro says afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Can't reiterate uh, how crappy the commute is this morning, especially when you get off of the connector, get off of the main thoroughfares, get off of uh, I-84 here in specifically in Ada County. Places where the plow hasn't been. Well, that you have a perfect storm, um, and Ron O'Brien and I were just talking about this. He, he's ready to quit and go home because he, he said there are more accidents right now happening than he can report in each uh, of his updates. He said it's just nonstop. Um, and you had kind of a perfect storm this morning because, number one, there was not expected to be that much snow. And we've got a couple of inches here in downtown Boise. I just checked. It has quit snowing, but we do have a couple of inches of snow. Number two, the snow, the snowstorm came very late this morning. So it didn't start sticking until around five, four thirty, five o'clock. So you had snow plows and, and snow melters who weren't able to get out to kind of take care of it before the commute started. And then once yeah. the commute starts, uh, it just gets worse. And then you have temperature now down to 26 degrees, which doesn't allow uh, anything to melt. And then, like I mentioned, the side streets this morning, the, the connector was, once we hit the Canada line, was kind of bad coming in. Canyon County, there was nothing, and then as you get closer to Boise, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I'm guessing the further east you go, because we've got a lot of accidents and slide-offs um, towards Mountain Home also this morning, just allow yourself a little extra time, because it's it's just going to be a, a miserable commute pretty much through your, your commute all morning long, um, and it's just going to take you a little extra time, just not going to get there very quickly at all this morning. Phone calls, 208-336-3700, toll-free 1-800-529-5264. You can email us, mike at kboi.com, chris at kboi.com. Last week, uh, an update on a story that we told you about. The IRS had told states, and one of those states included Idaho, not to file your tax return as of yet because they didn't know whether or not you were going to owe taxes on money that you got for state rebates because of the COVID pandemic. So they said, till we figure out, and there were 21 states, Idaho, which was one of those, whether or not you're going to be taxed on that federally, don't file your income taxes or you're going to have to redo it. I feel like if they haven't figured it out by now, we don't owe it. 
Well, you're in luck because that's exactly what happened yesterday. In a statement, the IRS spells out people in at least 16 states do not need to report state disaster relief payments on their 2022 federal income tax returns. The states, as I mentioned, 16 of which include Idaho, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Maine, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. And two of those states, as you heard there, are within our listing area, including Idaho. The IRS said payments in these states are related to general welfare and disaster relief and that you will not owe federal income taxes on those monies that you received and here in Idaho, we all, almost all of us, not all of us, I guess all taxpayers got a check or two, supposedly, last year. Uh, many taxpayers and prof- professionals had been waiting for this guidance before filing federal returns and risking making mistakes in the process uh, before they knew where the IRS stood. We knew now where the IRS stands. So if you're an Idahoan or if you're in Oregon, File away your taxes to get your tax return. Taxpayers, however, in four other states, Georgia, Massachusetts, South Carolina, and Virginia, will face more complex rules. Most people won't likely see their state payments taxed at the federal level, uh, but some of those states uh, will possibly have to pay federal taxes. So, okay. But we're in Idaho. We don't care about those states. That's We live in Idaho. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so great. So I guess the lesson to be learned here, go ahead. You can file your taxes. <laughs> Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Wow. This is called the uh, damn near impossible question. Turning out maybe it is kind of damn near impossible this morning. So far, only one caller wow. is on the line waiting to try to answer our question this morning. Uh, Sean, if you want to try to answer, if Sean doesn't get it right, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. It's brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, a local company with a global network. Locations across the Treasure Valley called 208 888 28. All right, Sean, how, how well do you feel about this? Are you positive you're going to be able to get it? Uh, I don't have a high degree of confidence, but I'm going to throw out a guess. All right, here we go. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, combined age of 51 years, 337 days on Sunday, making them the youngest combined age quarterbacks to ever start a Super Bowl. Who are the second youngest? I'm going to go with Joe Montana and Dan Marino. It's a good thing you went with them, even though you didn't feel real positive about it. Yes, they are the you are correct. second youngest uh, Super Bowl quarterback matchup yeah. of all time. 1985. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Bob's restaurant. See, we didn't need anybody else. That's all we needed. <laughs> Hang on the line. We'll get some info from you. Don't worry if you didn't get through today and wanted to try and uh, win. We have Bob's Restaurant Gift Certificates. $50 will get you a lot of food for 50 bucks. Chance for you to win that uh, coming up tomorrow morning and throughout the rest of the week. Hang right where you're at. Hey, the stock market is up. Uh, into the green after starting in the red. We're up 43 points as of right now after the uh, consumer price index came out and the futures dropped over 200 points earlier this morning. Uh, but uh, stock market was up over 370 points on the Dow yesterday. All three of the indexes are up. Uh, looking now like all three of the indexes are also up. 
this morning. We'll keep you uh, updated with that and more. Stick around news coming up here next at the bottom of the hour. Then Bob Beeler will be with us for Bronco Tuesday. For the first time this year, we are uh, talking track and field. We'll do that coming up here in about 10 minutes. Don't go anywhere. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler. On your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. 8.39, it is Bronco Tuesday. Bob Beeler here with us this morning. Very disappointed Bob didn't bring us anything for Valentine's Day today. Sorry, guys. I'm kind of okay with that. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Uh, welcome in once again for Bronco Tuesday. And today we are talking track and field. Yes, and the indoor season going on right now, the outdoor season around the corner when the weather's a little better. We have somebody from the men's team and the women's team to visit with today. And we'll start with the women's team. And it is Nia Nucci Okembo. How are you doing today, Nia Nucci? Um, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I just have a few classes in practice, so I'm right. excited for all that. Well, tell us a little bit about you're a sprinter and you're a hurdler. What events do you do on the in the indoor season, and what events do you do in the outdoor season? So, yeah, I'm a hurdler. So indoors, I do the 16-meter hurdles and the 4x4 mostly. I do the occasional 200, and in outdoors, I do the 100 hurdles, 400 hurdles, and 4x4. So how did you get started in hurdles, and what's the key to being a good hurdler? I started track in seventh grade, and I automatically did hurdles. I don't know what appealed to me about the hurdles. I just thought it would be fun. And luckily for me, I ended up being good at it. But the key to being a good hurdler, it depends. For long hurdles, the key to being a good one is to be able to switch legs and be able to use your dominant and your non-dominant leg. But for short hurdles, it's having a good reaction time because the race is shorter and having really good hurdle mechanics. Now, you kind of a, a secured route to get to Boise State. Uh, you're from Richland, Washington, and you started uh, your college career at Eastern Washington, then spent the 2020-21 season at Ohio State before coming to Boise State. Uh, what took you to those different locations, and why did you uh, finally decide on Boise State? So I went to Eastern Washington out of high school because I wasn't getting very many books outside of or my senior year of high school, not very many college coaches were contacting me, which was kind of weird to me because I was like, oh, I'm pretty fast, but it was whatever. So I decided to go to Eastern so I could spend my freshman season there, and I already knew I was going to transfer. But after my freshman season, it was COVID, so it was really hard to find another school that I wanted to go to since most schools I wanted to go to either had too many people due to all the seniors staying another year or they didn't have any money because of COVID. So I went to Ohio State because I knew they had a good program, and I knew that there was a lot of black people in Columbus, and I was like, okay, let me get a change of scenery since I'm from the Tri-Cities. But I didn't have a good experience there, so I decided to come to Boise State because it was closer to home. Any other reasons why Boise State? Is it just because they're closer to home, or was there something else? Um, Boise State was closer to home, and there was also a really good hurdler at Boise State at the time. Her name was Daphne. She ended up graduating last year, but I knew that she was here, so I thought it would be really beneficial for me as a hurdler to have somebody really good to be my training partner, and I really liked my coaches. You uh, have listed that you'd like a future career in sideline reporting. How did you decide on that? 
Last year during the Meet Before Outdoor Conference, our videographer let me use a tiny mic to interview my teammates, and I thought it was really fun to be able to ask them about their race and just comment on the whole entire races as a whole. So who were the best interviews on the team? Um, <laughs> my funniest interview was with this... Uh, what does he do? He does steeplechase. A steeplechaser, his name's Murdoch, and he's from New Zealand. And his responses were, were something. I really wasn't expecting it, but I complimented his hurdles, which he appreciated. I see your um, bio that you're also um, quite the baker off the track. How did you uh, get into that? I have older sisters, and they baked so i just baked with them when i was younger and i just thought it was fun to bake so as i got older i started baking more i actually baked cookies last night so that's actually funny that you mentioned that what did you what did you make and and you know if we'd had this interview in person instead of over the phone you could have brought in some samples and we could have judged them exactly true i could have <laughs> brought in i brought in some snickerdoodles that have caramel in the middle oh, nice so tell us about the the season coming up uh, in the in the end of the indoor season, uh, beginning of the outdoor season. What are your goals and what are you expecting from yourself? So my goals for indoor season is to score points in the sixty hurdles as well as in the four by four. I'm hopeful that our four by four can once again place top three in conference. But we're really close with a lot of teams in terms of our time, so. We just have to try really hard to make that work out. And for the 60 hurdles, I haven't had the best indoor season so far, so I'm still hopeful that I can score points as I did last year. But in terms of outdoor season, I'm hope, I hope that I get first in conference in the 400 hurdles as well as possibly go to nationals in the 400 hurdles. Who in your career has been your most influential coach? I would 100% say Gavin O'Neill has been my most influential coach who's my current coach right now. Um, he's really helpful in pushing me and just helping me to get to the point where I want to be. And he's very kind and genuine. So if I'm having a hard time, he's really good at like bringing me back up. One more question before we uh, let you go. You had mentioned part of the reason you came to Boise State was because a uh, very strong hurdler um, you've viewed as helping you as a training partner. Now as a junior, um, is there anybody that you've picked up as kind of somebody that you want to help take under your wing and possibly be a mentor to when it comes to uh, track and field and the hurdles? Um, I haven't really thought of that. There's not many hurdlers at the beginning of the season we had a few hurdlers but a lot of them stopped doing hurdles so the only hurdler left i would say would be her name's maggie but as of right now she's injured so hopefully next school year she'll be back and up and running for hurdles so i guess she would be the one very good thank you for uh, taking some time with us this morning um good luck on the upcoming season and who knows before the end of the year we may be talking to you uh again uh before the uh, end of the school year but good luck the rest of this year thank you kby news time is eight forty six. uh we'll take a break and when we come back uh we'll get into men's track and field next on bronco tuesday now Back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos. News Talk KBOI. 
It is 8.48. He's Chris Welton. I'm Mike Casper and Bob Beeler. The voice of the Broncos with us today and every Tuesday, Bronco Tuesday, where we're going to talk about the other Olympic sports at Boise State University. We're talking track and field today. And we'll move over to the men's side. Ahmed Ibrahim joins us. He is a sophomore distance runner from Portland. Ahmed, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me again. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into distance running? I mean, we're looking here, 3,000 meters. You also do cross-country. You've done very well, but you run for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just I, you know, something that I picked it up when I was growing up. Um, you know, I was always doing different sports and, and kind of jumping, you know, to, to anything and everything that I can. And so I think in middle school is when I kind of uh, picked up distance and, and ever since I've kind of enjoyed it. And I think I had big opportunities in the future, so I just kind of stuck with it. What's the biggest difference for you in the cross-country season and in the uh, indoor and outdoor seasons? Differences in the distance, uh, how do you think the two compare for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in cross country, you know, you kind of focus on uh, the 8K and, and even the 10K regionals, and so um, kind of jumping that from jumping that to the to the track and field, um, it's a big difference. I think is uh, a lot shorter in the on the track and and on the indoor. So um, you know, just having that just having that difference in the in the event that you do itself is uh, very different. You mentioned that you uh, started long distance running in uh, junior high, which me remembering back my junior high days, I can't even imagine. Were you good from the beginning or is it just something you'd in- enjoy doing or vice versa? Was it something you didn't necessarily enjoy, but you were really good at it? How, how did you decide that this is something you wanted to do um, continuing with your high school and now into college career? Yeah, no, I, I definitely enjoyed it, but um, I, I didn't take it serious until junior year of high school. Um, I think that's kind of when I kind of uh, realized, that, oh, I think I have a lot of potential in, in this event and in this uh, career. So I should just kind of focus on it and, and do everything I can to to help myself get to the you know best position I can be in, which is, you know, go to a Division One school. And so... Um, I just kind of stuck with it. I think, you know, at the time I was playing, you know, basketball, soccer, and so I was like, oh, you know, I think, uh, you know, playing and, and playing those sports would, you know, kind of just kind of hold me back. And, and I, wanted, I wanted to see what my full potential would be if I just kind of stuck with the running. Why did you choose Boise State? No, it was, it was very simple. I think at the time, um, you know, I had I had a lot of connections with the with the athletes that were here at Boise State and uh you know, I I kind of knew, and you know, some of the some of the guys that were here kind of spilled the beans for me, and you know how the coaches are, how the training is here, you know, how the environment is, and so I just kind of, you know, kind of, you know, hearing hearing that, I kind of loved it, and so I visited here, and and everything was was right, and so I was like, okay, you know, this is the perfect spot to be at. We're visiting with Ahmed Ibrahim. He is joining us from the men's track and field team. He is a distance runner, and Ahmed. I'm sure that in many races you've had to come from behind and pass runners. So what's the feeling like, and is anything ever said as you race by somebody in a distance race? <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, it feels great for sure to, to pass someone, uh, but, you know, it takes a lot of uh takes a lot of encouraging uh, to, you know, because, like, in, in, in across country, you have hundreds of, of guys that are next to you, and so the moment you kind of, you know, are having a hard time, 
um, keeping up with the guys. And so have, ha, people passing you is the worst part. And so whenever you pass someone is, is, is a good feeling. And so you just kind of push yourself. And, uh, you know, there, there's not much said when you when you pass someone. So, you know, it's, unless it's your teammate. <laughs> And uh, unless it's your teammate, you have a little bit of encouragement to give, even though you know you're you're running out of breath. So you're all Mountain West indoor track and field for the three thousand meter in twenty twenty two, two time All West region cross country in twenty one and twenty two. You have the fifth fastest time in program history in the men's three thousand meters this season, third fastest in the men's five thousand meter in program history this season. Um, you're you're pretty darn fast. I bring this up because you're only a sophomore. You have uh, a lot of room to improve. So my question is, what are your goals for the future when it comes to this um, Olympics? Anything like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I would, I would love to be uh, to qualify for the Olympics, but you know, I think that that would take a lot more than uh, placing third at a, a conference. Um, but no, it's an accomplishment. I think it's a lot of steps that kind of move forward and that kind of help you. Um, look forward to your goals. And so I think, you know, every step that I could take to be closer to the school record is a step forward for, for me to have a chance to qualify for Olympics and, and any other big races um, in the future. Ahmed, what about you away from, uh, away from the track? Uh, what, what are you majoring and what else, what else do you like to do? Yeah, no, I major in uh, communications. Uh, you know, I, I love, my hobbies are, you know, it's kind of, Playing basketball here and there sometimes at the at the rec here at Boise State and uh, yeah. Ahmed, thanks for taking time. It was great talking to you again. Um, this is I do recognize talking to you last year. Um, so I'm sure. In fact, that you're only a sophomore. We're probably, if not talking to you later this year, possibly uh, talking to you in, in the future as your c- career continues at Boise State. But good luck on the rest of your season and uh, good luck in your career. It's great talking to you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. KBY Newstime 854. Uh, we'll take one more quick break here, and then uh, we'll do a wrap-up of what's coming up the rest of the week with Bob Beeler and the voice of the Broncos on News Talk KBY. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. Bob, you got a uh, rest of the uh, week that's a little bit busy. Yeah, we'll start with men's basketball tomorrow night, pregame at 730 from Colorado State. Coaches show Thursday night at 6 at 10 Barrel. That'll be on 93-1. Women's basketball Thursday night, 6.30 on 6.70. And then Saturday, it's women's basketball in the afternoon and men's basketball Sunday night, 7 o'clock against UNLV. A Sunday game. Kind of strange. Only one this year, I'm, I'm guessing. I can't remember another one. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't very often remember Sunday games We had at one all. on Super Bowl Sunday last year. Oh, that's right. I do remember that as of right now. All right, Bob, thanks for being with us uh, once again. Um, we've got the two games. Hopefully we'll talk to you again Monday about two wins. Uh, Boise State has to continue to take care of uh, business, but thanks a lot. Phone lines are open now, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can also email Mike at KBOI.com and Chris at KBOI.com if you want to get through. Text us, same as our main number, 208-336-3700. Your Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. A lot of questions still for Kirby, and frankly, 
not a lot of answers on what the criteria will be going forward when it comes down to shooting objects from the sky. And one of the answers that John Kirby had was we adjusted the radars after that Chinese spy balloon was spotted. One of the reasons why we're seeing more is that we're looking for more of these objects now. So that really does beg this question of how normal is this going to be? That's a weird statement, isn't it? The reason we're seeing more of this now is we're trying harder. Is because we're looking for them where we weren't really looking for them before. So what were you doing before? That's a good question. And it also lends to the question of, has this really been going on maybe like this for a really long time and we just didn't know about it because nobody was paying attention? Nobody was looking for it? This isn't really a big deal? Just It's only a big deal because now we're looking for it? <laughs> Right? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. Good question. I don't know. I don't know either, but it it, it does beg to have an answer. It's like, why weren't we looking for some of these things before? Uh, China, by the way, has uh, really changed the way that they're looking at this. At first, they were a little conciliatory when they said, hey, we found a balloon. Yes, we're sorry. It got into your space accidentally. It's not a... Spy balloon, it's a weather, civilian weather balloon. Um, and now they've kind of changed over the last 10 days since that balloon was shot down. They accused the United States of uh, having 10 balloons that have been spotted over their airspace within the uh, last year. Mm-hmm. The United States has vehemently denied that. I would say to China, if that's the case, why haven't you shot them down? Yeah, that's a good if they really existed, shoot them down. And like the U.S. should say the same thing, say if the U.S. doesn't have spy balloons, as China claims, flying over Chinese airspace, the United States should probably say, well, if if they're there, which we're saying they're not, go ahead and shoot them down. Mike has written in and says, Canada and the United States are the sole members of NORAD. Firstly, NORAD stands for North American Aerospace Defense Command even though NORAD would be N-O-R-A-D and the other would be N-A-A-D-C. Its mission to provide coordinated air defense protection to the U.S. and Canada. Its headquarters are in Colorado. NORAD has an in-mountain command center in Colorado near Colorado Springs. Canada's counterpart is in Winnipeg, Manitoba. The shootdown in Canada was under NORAD control using U.S. Air Force planes because they were the most immediately available, uh, the action was approved by Canada's government. That's Mike. Yeah, that's all. That is true. That's all that we talked about yesterday. We stated it this morning. Um, another email, no name. Didn't NATO say there's a pattern the U.S. is a part of? So it's happening around the world. In other words, somebody is up to something. But to be fair, I've been watching a lot of 007, so I may <laughs> just be paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> Because you're paranoid doesn't mean somebody's not out to get you. <laughs> another um, another uh, question here. If they want to recover these balloons, why are they waiting for the worst time ever to shoot them down? I think they're waiting so that they're not in areas, yeah. if they get shot down, Apparently that they're could har- enough, harm a human. They're large enough to where they hit a, a house or, or people or something, they could kill a lot of people. Uh, Kent has written in and says, my question if these are intended to be spy balloons, why are they colored white and not sky blue? Also a good question. Well, except some of them aren't covered, colored white. We heard earlier this morning, um, one of them was described as black. The other one was uh, metallic color. Mm. 
So the spy balloon that China had apparently was white, but if you're flying at 100,000 feet, how many people are actually looking up and can see? I know you and I, you can't see 100,000 feet. I can't see 100,000 feet. Um, but, I mean, heck, that may be a good question. I'll, you know, if you're flying 100,000 feet, it's above the clouds. So white isn't going to help you hiding into the clouds. Right. Neil and Eagle, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Hey, guys. Uh, I've been working out, so excuse my breath here. Um, I'm calling because I just think we're giving way too much time to all this stuff. I mean, China's balloon, yeah, easily seen. It's The only thing I think that's interesting about that is the fact that we chose to use a sidewinder to hit the um, the hardware, and we've had snatch-and-grab capability since, like, the 60s, maybe 50s. So we could have pierced the balloon, let it come down, snatched it out, and just brought it home. So the thing that I'm concerned about here is that we've got, you know, a massive explosion, chemical explosion in Iowa, uh, or Ohio, was it Ohio? Yeah. Ohio? Yeah, Ohio. And I'm not hearing even uh, even close to enough information on how that happened would have occurred. We also have had a bunch of explosions at, you know, food processing plants, and we've got Gates out there buying up farmland in Idaho, by the way, and we're not hearing anything about that. These are way more important than chasing UFOs, which are, it's just kind of, in my opinion, it's ridiculous. Lots going on on, on the ground, and we're all looking up at the air. Yeah, it's 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 more of a curiosity, I think, than it is terribly important at this point, until we know what they it's are. A, in yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a, it's a distraction, and I think it's an intentful distraction, uh, I believe, too, and I'm just going to really throw it out there, just like COVID was, for election fraud. So, so you think, you think the federal government is doing this on purpose to deflect from everything else going on? I do. All right. I do. Is, how do you trust the government? How do you, how do you trust the government today? That's what you I call, mean, seriously. How do you ever trust them? I mean, <laughs> wag, yeah, wag, the, wag the dog type of stuff is what he's talking about. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Neil. Appreciate it. Uh, the story, he mentioned a train carrying 20 cars full of hazardous materials, including the toxic chemical vinyl chloride, derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. That was earlier this month. The wreckage burned for days, threatening a widespread explosion before crews staged controlled detonations to release the chemical. Workers used small charges to blow a tiny hole in five rail cars carrying vinyl chloride, The hazardous substance spilled into a trench where it was burned away. Vinyl chloride, which is used to make PVC pipes, can cause dizziness, sleepiness, and headaches. It has also been linked to an increased risk of cancer in the liver, brain, lungs, and blood, all of which I think you need. Many of the residents of East Palestine are now left wondering how safe their air is. And strangely enough, it's the second time they're living through such a moment. In 2021, Netflix shot the film White Noise around Ohio, including in East Palestine. The uh, movie is based on a novel by Don DeLillo, published in 1985, shortly after a chemical disaster in Bhopal, India, that killed nearly 4,000 people. The book and film follow the fictional Gladney family, a couple and their four kids, as they flee an airborne toxic event and then return home and try to resume their normal lives. I think I saw that movie. Yeah, I did. It's got, uh, what's his name from uh, the Star Wars movies in it? Ryder. 
Driver, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. That's his name. For some residents of East Palestine, like Ben Ratner and his family, it's all hitting too close to home. They signed up to be uh, extras in the film, and uh, they're uh, basically being interviewed every day on TV, telling people what it's about. But as you can see, just from the, uh, the stations that we're monitoring right now, people are still talking about the spy balloons. Uh, Jerry writes in, this is dedicated to a caller you had yesterday talking about IACI pushing uh, the state to sponsor Pride Fest. I think your callers forget what state they live in and what the majority party is in the legislature. IACI and woke companies do not run Idaho's government. Your callers are so conservative, they verge on extreme right wing. If a person, business, agency, private or otherwise, doesn't vocally and obnoxiously denounce LGBTQ, immigration, public ed, or use the term uh, the N-word instead of the actual word, they assume that you are a rhino, communist, or are woke. A majority of us are right in the middle, and we are quite comfortable. Jeff says in order for the military to shoot something out of the sky, they have to have positive ID. They can't just shoot something out of the sky and worry about what it is after the fact. They can't disclose all the info right away. The military had all the identifying information they needed before they shot anything down. Which, again, that just brings it up. They know and and we don't. And they're they're lying to us. Right? Yeah. John says, well, I guess they would be here just simply withholding information. John says they are silver mylar birthday party balloons. Now, whose birthday was it? (laughs) it, not a birthday. They were val- they were early Valentine's Day balloons. Very expensive. <laughs> uh, another uh, email uh, on this subject. Wouldn't people be calling it in and reporting them before now? Because we had just mentioned that maybe this is the good. You know, the uh, administration, Biden administration, had mentioned that these are have been going on for a while. We're just looking for them more now. You can see them with the naked eye. Would report something like that, and even just to find out what it is. Again, we have a first line of defense, so we need to get into the habit of reporting everything. Let the authorities sort it out. I don't know how much you're going to see with the naked eye. Now, the the Chinese spy, so-called spy balloon, um, was massive. And carried a payload of three buses. So that balloon was big. wasn't something you could see necessarily with the naked eye. However, you could see it with binoculars, and you could see it on uh, radar, whatnot. The other balloons uh, about the size of a car, so a little mm-hmm. bit smaller, and also in really rural areas like the Yukon and Alaska. Not a lot of people looking up in the sky in those particular. Right. Location. When they say it's the size of three buses, it makes me think it's roughly the size of a maybe fifteen hundred square foot house. Yeah, the payload, what the what the balloon was carrying would be about that size. Yeah, two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. That's the uh, latest uh, update so far on that. Wanted to move on, uh, talk about a couple of other things here this morning. When we come back, how much drama was there last night? The school board meeting in Caldwell. This is the meeting you will remember last month um, that ended up getting canceled in the middle because of uh, yelling and screaming, having to do with uh, transgender rights in the school, uh, new transgender rules as far as use of bathrooms and locker rooms, and then uh, the meeting here, uh, what was it, about 10 days ago, uh, 7 to 10 days ago, was postponed. That meeting happened last night. There wasn't a lot of drama. But there's a very good reason why there was not a lot of drama. We'll tell you why that is when we come back next.
The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Not sure what to get your special someone this Valentine's Day? Why not surprise them with a colorful Chinese spy balloon bouquet from Party City? Show your Valentine how much you love them by watching their every movement 24-7. The Chinese spy balloon bouquet from Party City. It's the gift that says you're always there for them because you're always there. <laughs> Not creepy at all. Happy Valentine's Day. Here's a Chinese balloon bouquet. Not creepy, maybe a little <laughs> ridiculous. Bob Boyce, he wrote in to say there are hundreds of satellites going over the U.S. 24-7. What's the difference between a balloon and a satellite? Much ado about nothing. No, satellites and balloons are completely different. Well, well, the difference is one's considerably higher than the other, but I wondered the same thing. Why would you use spy balloons? Because all the countries have spy satellites anyway. I can answer that. Um, Number one, um, spy satellites have specific orbits that they fly they don't they don't get to fly wherever they want to fly over certain they don't areas tend to meander they don't yeah they they have an orbit that they are flying in so they specifically can look over all the areas of that orbit a spy balloon can fly wherever it gets steered to fly over okay um you also have the difference in a spy balloon costs a few million dollars um, a satellite to get into space costs several hundred billion dollars. So there's a big difference in, in price also not being all, able to They're do not it. all quite that expensive, are they? Um, to get a satellite to build it and then launch it into space? Yeah, you're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. Because hmm, there are thousands of them up there. Yeah. Yeah. I should have gone into business building them. The uh, House State Affairs Committee introduced a proposal uh, yesterday to allow civil penalties for schools or public libraries that allow adolescents under the age of 18 to access materials considered obscene or harmful in their school libraries. Mm, The harmful part would be what's kind of up in the air, I think. Now, this is not a new idea. The Idaho legislature last year had controversial House Bill 666 that would have criminalized librarians who allowed minors to obtain materials deemed harmful, and it passed the House, died in the Senate. Representative Jaron Crane of Nampa yesterday bought, uh, brought the legislation before the committee, which unanimously voted to introduce it with almost no discussion, saying, seeing how these public school and community libraries are funded by Idaho State taxpayer dollars, it is in the best interest of our state and these institutions to make a reasonable effort to restrict access to children when it comes to these material and libraries, Crane said. Less legislation, which would be called the Children's School and Library Protection Act, includes several detailed descriptions of what is considered harmful to minors. This list includes patently offensive descriptions uh, or reproductions of sexual acts, masturbation, excretory functions, or lewd exhibition of genitals. The bill would not include what is considered to have serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value to minors. So all the previous stuff that I just mentioned is bad unless it fits under literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Then... Scientific value is, is is sort of vague because you can technically study anything. 
It would apply to any material that has the dominant effect of substantially arousing sexual desires in persons under the age of 18. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, I was a teenager once. Didn't every, doesn't everything arouse sexual <laughs> desires in persons under 18? I, I, I'm sure the list is larger than they think it is. Under the bill, any minor who obtains this kind of material from a school or public library or their parent or legal guardian may sue the institution for up to $10,000 in damages if the employees gave or made the materials available or the institution failed to take reasonable steps to restrict the access. In other words, ban those books. Civil action must start with oh, four had, years, uh, I, within I had, four years of the incident. I had, you know, biology books, anatomy and physiology that uh, essentially showed the entire inner workings of both males and females. I wonder if that would ever qualify. But That would be under the scientific would, value of minors, right? Would, technically, yeah, yeah. That's true. Here's what I don't understand. Uh, this bill, there's, well, there's a few things I don't understand. Uh, this bill, number one, who gets to decide what is patently offensive? Who is, who is the person in charge of that? Is it going to be a group of people? Is it the legislature? Is it the school board? Is it a parent? Does one person have purview over the entire state school library system or, or what and why i mean how strict would the rules be because that's, that's what i want to know you don't too. you want you don't want somebody to have the job and for them to be told if you don't like it it's out and if you're going to sue somebody for ten thousand dollars are you suing the librarian specifically or is this a, a chance for attorneys who are basically ambulance chasers to go hey look we think this book is offensive. Let's start. Let's sue. I'm not going to charge you anything, but you just give me half of whatever we win in court, and you're just going to see suit after suit after suit. Nuisance suits. Easy, I don't know. Easy way to do it. Take your own books to the library, put them on the shelf, and then take some pictures of them and sue them. Uh, the other thing that I don't understand, you're not allowed to see obscene material in school libraries, but apparently you're allowed to uh, see it in school locker rooms and bathrooms by schools who mandate students be allowed to use the locker room or bathroom of their choice, which seems just a little bit strange to me. And by the way, we're going to talk about that next because... Nobody, nobody ever said rules were consistent. Caldwell School District had to uh, look into that after having a couple of uh, their school board meetings either canceled or postponed. We'll give you an update on their school board meeting last night coming up next. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wilds. If you want to get through, toll-free 1-800-529-5264. You can email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Text message, uh, and by the way, if you want to text, same as our main number. I don't uh, want our room full of girls seeing a person come in that has boy parts, and on the other hand, I don't want a room full of boys showering and getting dressed and things and see if a person comes in with girl parts. They don't need to be seen in that, in a school. The other person might not care, but the room full of other uh, sex don't need to be seen like that. It wasn't uh high school we had our our gym was called lifetime sports unless you were an athlete uh, you know a member of the football team or basketball team and your uh your gym period would involve mainly lifting weights you had something called lifetime sports where they taught us to do you know all sorts of stuff like picnic volleyball and archery and bowling and skating and you name it any kind of sport uh, but they uh used to give us uh, time to uh, shower 
which is to say that if the if the if the class ended at ten o'clock, they would give you time to shower starting at nine fifty five, which is just about enough time to actually put your clothes on, not shower. <laughs> Uh, that's a good point. Last night, uh, people were probably holding their uh, breath. Police, uh, large police turnout for the Caldwell school board meeting because of problems in the past, ending up having to cancel the meeting uh, mid-meeting because of how boisterous things had gotten. Rowdy. Rowdy. Uh, they also postponed uh, another meeting. So last night was the first chance to actually have a meeting, continuing to discuss proposed policy policy three eight two one, which would address gender identity and sexual orientation in schools and school related functions. Not a lot of drama happened last night. Why you might be asking? State Representative Brent Crane was there. And addressed the uh, board, saying that he is hoping that he and his fellow lawmakers will pass a piece of legislation addressing this issue by sometime in March before the end of the legislature so that school boards in the state of Idaho would not have to take up heated issues like this. Saying, I would guess in the next two weeks, it would probably be through the Senate and over to the House, it will be expedited. Chairman Yamamoto has already said this is going to be a move uh, that will be top of the agenda it's for the legislature. It's funny. Uh, those running for office, legislators and whatnot, will always tell you that their aim is to pass legislation that will end all arguments forever. And to date, nothing has ever done that <laughs> on any um, subject. So basically, the school board last night said that they will pause talking or implementing policy 3821. The pause comes uh, as just last month that we told you school board attempted to address the policy, abruptly ended the meeting after demonstrators failed to abide by conduct warnings, and then the uh, other meeting on the 17th was postponed. So it's looking like Caldwell and maybe other schools throughout the state that we're going to be forced to look at this won't have to because it looks like, as of right now, the legislature, at least from what, Representative Jaron Crane said, or Brent Crane said, rather, um, that uh, the legislature is going to be looking at this. And, and not only that, but it has been moved to the top of the priority list, list over property taxes, over everything else. You know, uh, some would refer to it as more of an imagined problem than those other things you just mentioned. But um, apparently they don't feel that way in the legislature. How happy are people going to be? that something like this gets done and property taxes, which everybody seems to want to be addressed, uh, ends up getting kicked down the road once again. Here's my question. How happy were we last year? Uh, not happy. Because that's pretty much what happened last year. Not happy, but since they said that you know property taxes this year would be a priority until, of course, the LGBTQ locker use and uh, bathroom use in school came up. Now we're hearing that this is going to be a priority and moving even ahead of property taxes. Now, well, sure, because the important things are hard. Keep, keep in mind, there's a lot of time. yet. We still have six more weeks of the legislature, so there's a whole bunch of time, right? So, so the groundhog saw his shadow. <laughs> in, in the Idaho legislature. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts, if you want to weigh in, 208-336-3700.
Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can also email us this morning, and we are getting emails in. Uh, Mike and Chris, the slaughter at Michigan State University reminds me that the U.S. is the most overarmed country on Earth. In 2018, Americans possessed 400 million guns, which equates to 1.2 guns for all men, women, LGBTQ, and children. I think you could have just said persons. <laughs> then in the pandemic years, the nation's already high gun buying soared from 13 million to 20 million by 2020. 20 million of those guns were AR-15 style weapons, and their popularity seems to be growing as so do semi-automatic pistols. Mass shootings involve assault weapons or high-capacity magazines are by far the deadliest. With 647 in 2022 and 64 so far this year, mass killings with guns have become a standard part of American life. The price to pay for the misinterpreted Second Amendment, since the country and the states have well-regulated militias that is well-funded. Well, I get that you think you're a Supreme Court justice, but I think I'll stick with the Supreme Court justice uh, and their thoughts on it rather than yours. Although the U.S. is number one in gun deaths in developed countries, we are not the happiest, Denmark, or safest, Iceland. Uh, no doubt Congress will take action that would dent the gunmaker's profits since it's handcuffed by highly funded lobbyists. It's also, you know, handcuffed by the Constitution, which you mm-hmm. seem to forget. Uh, there's no choice but to learn to live with it, learn to suffer the pain of innocence being killed, and learn to fear going out of, for, of your home. There is no red flag laws, no background checks, no buyback of assault weapons, and no mandatory licensing and training. The Second Amendment is being abused. Set the stage for a shameful rate of mass killings. That's from the fudge man, John F. I disagree with almost everything you say. What he said about the militia in there, that's that's the argument a lot of people have with the wording of the Constitution, uh, the Second Amendment, that, that it says the reason to allow people to have guns is because we need a well armed militia. And the argument uh, is that two years after they ratified the Constitution, the U.S. Congress created what we now know as the U.S. military. We didn't have a standing army at that time. We, uh, you know, used to just hire whoever was available and uh, put them into, uh, you know, and put that into practice or, or put them into a war. But in, in 1789, they, they created the United States military. They established that we would have a standing army which to a lot of people means we have a militia. However, there are a lot of people who say, no, the militia exists so that if the army tries to take over, we right. can stop them. Right. I, or I, try anyway. I think, you know, people misinterpreted, you know, misinterpreted on exactly what that means that, you know, we have the Second Amendment, so we have the right to hunt. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the Second Amendment is about. Um, it has more it's, it's to about, do with protecting about, yourself from the government. It's about fighting wars and tyranny, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as, as far as far as rules, people don't stand around and do nothing. For instance, Michigan State, John, is a no-gun zone. Guns weren't allowed there, so what was that guy doing there? It's a no-gun zone. You're not allowed to have well, guns. He was breaking the law before he was really breaking the law. You mentioned Denmark. Denmark last year or on average has about six murders by guns every year. And you're not even allowed to have a gun that's uh, an air, unless it's an air gun that fires smaller than a .45 millimeter projectile. So your argument is they have six a year, so it doesn't do them any good to not have guns? No, I'm saying it didn't work. 
if you're not allowed to have guns and there's still gun murders going on, it, it's like that old adage, if, if you're a good hitter, why don't you hit good? If not being allowed to own a gun works, why are there still people being murdered by guns? It seems like your argument would say, well, he's not a bad baseball player. Last year he got six hits. No, not even close to that. Okay. Now, you have to keep in mind, Denmark only has 5 million people. Mm-hmm. United States has 332 million people. Mm-hmm. If you put Denmark at the same level of population, and you just change the population to what the United States has, that is around 400 to 500 gun murders per year if they have the same population. Which is still pretty far behind what we have. Not a, It's 50% less, but it you still have murders being happening by guns, even though that they're not allowed to have guns. So to say, hey, if you just make it illegal to have guns, gun murders would disappear. It's not true. So if it doesn't work, or, I mean, if not having guns works, why doesn't it work? I'm all for, if if you can prove to me somewhere, and this is, once again, my personal opinion, if you can prove uh, a system that would work. Well, I think we'd have to establish how important you think certain statistics are. I think they're very important. Okay. So, but if you could come up with a system that you think, okay, this would work, and we're going to do this in this area to see if it would work. So Chicago, gun problem in Chicago, we're going to do this in Chicago to see if it would stop gun deaths in Chicago. And after 10 years, you come back and say, look, gun deaths have stopped in Chicago. I would say, all right, that works. We need to try this now on a national level. Now, of course, you'd still have to get around the Second Amendment problem and things like that. But I'd be willing to talk about it. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon. One more break, uh, one more segment on the way if you want to get through Final Chance. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, David and Boise, thanks for being patient. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Great show, guys, as always. I mean, powerful stuff here. Uh, and troubling, <clears throat> to say the least. It's... Uh, I mean, everything from the, the school to the, the gun violence. I mean, uh, that last segment where we were talking about, we were talking about the, uh, the, the right to own and bear arms. And, and I think there is an experiment going on already, isn't there? There's an experiment where there's a, what's that sheriff in Florida? Oh, goodness, you got to forgive me. Uh, it's uh, Johnson, where he, uh, he's encouraging homeowners to, uh, to save taxpayers money by shooting intruders. Now, if that's not an experiment underway, I don't know what is. That was about uh, a year, it was about a year ago, wasn't it? it, it yeah, 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 it's uh, you know, I mean, still really relevant. We're coming up on it. I, I think so. I think it was this summer or close to spring when I, I was shocked by that. You know, I was thinking, well, because I, you know, I believe in most of, like most of us, believe in the the rule of law. I believe in our AG. I believe in our sheriff. I believe in our elected officials. I believe that they. They want what's best for the people. I mean, that's what their job is. That's what I'm, I'm, I mean, we all want to feel that way. However, when we're let down or we fight about the non-issues or we, we, we cannot even so much fight about them, but we get caught up on the non-issues. We sort of lose focus on what's really important, family and, and friends and, and connecting with other people. And we walk around with clenched fists and, and talk about this gun violence stuff. And so 
that kind of brings me to my point, which is last night it's, you know, why, I mean, and I hate to say school shootings, you guys, I apologize for that. But if we're, if we're frothing, uh, taxpayers, parents, uh, people on both sides with this, what are we to expect? I mean, it's, it's, it's so, it's sort of a relief, you know, not hearing news from last night. Is that, is that bad? I mean, I know it's a news talk radio show, but when I woke up this morning, I, I mean, I love the show, but I was sort of, I was, I was a little bit, uh, I was dreading hearing bad news. So, uh, to hear that it was a peaceful uh, get-together, that was a huge relief. Um, but um, that last segment on, on whether or not we should own and, and bear, I totally believe we should all be able to protect ourselves. If someone breaks into your home, you should be able to protect yourself. I, I don't mean you should uh, take away someone's guns if they, if they stopped an intruder. I mean that if you do take away someone's guns, especially bad guys, we know that good guys aren't going to break the law. We know that good guys are the ones who are upholding the law. What's going to happen if you start taking away people's guns is you're going to have more of the, uh, oh, what was that parade where the guy took the car through the parade? Yeah. Uh, you got to forgive me this one. I think that was that Chicago, Wisconsin. I can't remember. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where he killed a bunch of people in a parade just by driving the uh, vehicle and trying to hit people. Uh, so, so if we start disarming good men, uh, law-abiding family men, uh, because of well, uh, it's, you know, for one, whatever reason you want to you, you want to cite. I mean, there are dozens. Yeah, I, yeah. I could get on the internet and and, and and start pulling them up left and right. And 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 what you're doing is you're stripping our protection. And so I think when you guys were talking earlier about, you know, what does it really mean? What does a militia really mean? I think I think we're right on there. Yes, the army is all volunteer, is it not? Um, yes, you got to you've got to register. Yeah, no, it's uh, with, with you know it's still a it's still a fact. You have to register with Selective Service, yeah, but it's yeah, not a volunteer been, army. Nobody's yeah. been drafted since Vietnam. Thank you for the call, David. We're just about up on time here. I wanted to get this one last one in from Lisa. It says Mike, your reasoning regarding statistics on gun laws not working is like a boyfriend that says a condom isn't one hundred percent effective. So why even use one? Either it works completely or nothing. That's extreme. Well, uh, number one, you're not guaranteed the right to wear a condom by the Constitution. Number two, if it only works 97% of the time, which condoms do, do you want the federal government saying you're not allowed to use condoms because it only works 97% of the time? We're, we're taking away your right to use a condom. No, yeah, I don't want that. I want, to, I want to be able to choose again, for myself. Again, I don't think that's the direction I want to take in that. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless uh,